0: And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. The Pure Hoops podcast is back. BJ Armstrong and I, Eric Newman, are going to break down a lot of what happened during the trade deadline some of the things behind it the role the media has been playing and some great insight some great conversation uh bj and i had a lot of fun recording this following the deadline you're listening to the pure hoops podcast check ball let's go
1: the pure hoops podcast is a presentation of pure hoops media the pure hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the
0: views of our management Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. The Pure Hoops podcast is brought to you by Pure Hoops Media. BJ and I chop it up every Friday. We also have two other weekly shows. Catch and Shoot with Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko drops every Wednesday. Pure Hoops Media also presents The Wise-Ass Show featuring Mike Wise. The Wise-Ass drops in for his weekly visit on Mondays. Mike's guest last Monday was former Phoenix Suns general manager Ryan McDonough as they discuss strategy heading into the Thursday NBA trade deadline, which, of course, was crazy. Please subscribe to all three shows and tell your friends. They'll thank you, and so will we. It's NBA trade deadline day. The Pure Hoops podcast is back. Eric Newman, BJ Armstrong. BJ, we've talked about trade deadline chaos before. As we open the show, this is a different kind of chaos, isn't it?
1: well yeah in a sense that the amount of volume that we have gained traction on uh in in comparing it to years past I, I would tend to agree with that and there's been a lot of uh trades there's been a lot of discussions um and all the teams that I were able to to reach during this time were willing to make a deal and um uh, you know, there, there, it was just a matter of finding the right team to complete this transaction with. And most of the transactions that you saw during this trade period were contracts that were expiring, had one, maximum two years uh, remaining. So I think what you're seeing from the owner's perspective in the business of basketball is that short term contracts are in vogue, and this is what teams are looking to move. They're looking to move short-term contracts, which allow them to have the flexibility that they're looking for. But more importantly, it allows them to be players in the game for what they consider, rightfully or wrongfully speaking, uh, max players or star players. So every team is looking to move or make a transaction with uh, short-term contracts in mind.
0: A lot to go through. Um, a lot of things that we thought would happen didn't, which is centered around where you are in Los Angeles, involving a certain superstar who's been trying to uh, figure out how to get there, uh, being Anthony Davis. But, you know, where I want to start before we head out west is, you know, and, and it's ironic, the Celtics play the Lakers tonight, which isn't even on anybody's radar with all this going on. So in the Eastern Conference... You know, say what you want about how the Celtics have started the season after their ten and ten start. They're, they're, they, they they found a rhythm. They've won ten of eleven, I believe. They're uh, twenty five and nine. They're they're right there towards the top. Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philly right there with them. Those three teams all made moves. I see those moves as them putting their chips to the middle of the table, saying in the first year of the Eastern Conference without LeBron James, there, the Celtics are vulnerable. We've got a chance to uh, improve our roster, and we're making a run at the Eastern Conference uh, title. And quickly, the Toronto Raptors get Marcus Sol, the Philadelphia 76ers get Tobias Harris, and the Milwaukee Bucks add Nikola Miritich. In your mind, before you share with me how you feel about the business side of this, do any of those moves get? Either of those three teams, Philadelphia, Toronto, or Milwaukee, closer to the NBA Finals?
1: Well, on paper, and to your fan base, it certainly appears to be that you're making the move, uh, whether you agree with it or not, towards winning, and you're trying to win. And I applaud all of those organizations for doing that, because winning, uh, you know, is a key component. That's, you know, Eric, why you and I love sports sports. We love to root for our teams, and that's what makes sports great. The business side of it is, you know, let's look at Toronto. This league now is predicated on small ball. Small ball is not only something that's kind of popular right now. It's here to stay. So now when I see a team making a move for a big man like Marc Gasol or any of these bigs, I wonder What is the game plan here? Because you're going to have to be able to defend screen roll. And mostly that's by smaller players, the Kyrie Irvins and the Russell Westbrooks and Clay Thompson's and Steph Curry's and all those players. So you're going to have to defend that. And I don't see any teams in the NBA, all 30 teams. I don't see any team running their offense through the low post. Okay, so that makes me wonder, Okay, how is that going to work? When I look at the Philadelphia 76ers, they are top heavy. They are a top heavy team. You know, their starting five is a, it looks terrific on paper. But as we know, if we're gonna win and we're gonna go deep into the playoffs, Eric and you and I certainly have seen our fair share of terrific teams and I've been fortunate to play on great teams in the NBA, you're gonna need depth. I'm really concerned about the depth of their team and how they're gonna distribute the the ball because they have players now Jimmy Butler in particular, and uh, Tobias Harris who are gonna be free agents at the end of the season. And regardless of what we say about team and all of those things, those young men are not only looking to be uh, on a good team and they're looking to compete and do all those things, but they're also looking in what I think is a natural and a normal feeling to secure their future as well. And they have one eye on both. So I think that's going to be make it very difficult for them because, in the end, I think, you know, you have to be aware of that these young men are going to be free agents, unrestricted free agents, at the end of the season. Um, yes. You know, and so then so quickly, we, so
0: quickly on Philadelphia. Yes. They give away they they give away depth. They obviously get the best player in the deal back in Harris. He's been traded so many times. I've heard nothing but good things about him, and this is not my New York bias because he's from here. He's having a very good season for the Clippers, who are fighting for the playoffs and still claim they're fighting for the playoffs, which is a, a different conversation we'll get to later. But he goes from number one guy with the Clippers to now having to try to fit in with, as you said, a Jimmy Butler, a Joel Embiid, a Ben Simmons. JJ Redick needs X amount of touches per game to be efficient and to be, um, excuse me, to be effective and be a, a weapon for them. So you know Tobias Harris's skill set. You know how Philadelphia plays. Can they figure out how to make this work to to take advantage of his talent and make a deep run, or does this move just keep them where they are?
1: Well, I I think this move as at least it was sold in the media and just watching from afar and listening from afar. And what I've read coming out of Philadelphia is that this was a move with a long term vision of saying we didn't just get this for this year. We feel that he's going to be a part of our core group for many years to come, or at least that's the 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 way it was sold uh, coming out of Philadelphia. So if that is the case, I think. Tobias, that should put him at ease. That should put everyone at ease of saying we understand the difficulty of trying to win now because you need that takes time. You know, you're not just going to come in, piecemeal this thing together and win a championship. Is it possible? Anything is possible, but very difficult. Uh, with those guys having to play the amount of minutes that they all will be required to play, that's going to really decrease your practice time and what you're going to be able to do because you don't, you're not depending on like ten or 11 players are in your depth you're depending on these 5 with JJ Redick and Ben Simmons and so forth and so on to play the majority of the minutes so they're not going to be able to play, practice and do all of those things so that's going to really impact on how good you can be because you can't practice uh yep. or as much during the year. So I think it's going to be a difficult thing in short term, but long term if they're able to put this together and add a few pieces there in the summer and and really commit to this group and knock on wood, they stay healthy. You know, I I can like the trade some years down, but saying it's gonna happen now in the middle of the season, while these guys have not only basketball, but they have, you know, business decisions to make at the end of the seasons that's gonna affect them and for the rest of their career. I think this is a this is a tall task. And uh I, I see the opportunity. I see what they're saying as fans but as a person that's worked in the business, that's you know played in that league, I, I think it's a lot for anyone to be able to overcome in such a short amount of time.
0: Agree with what you're saying. I, I think it's an interesting way to look at it. And through the lens of looking into the future, the other thing to look at here is Jimmy Butler is not a lock to stay in Philadelphia. This protects them I think in some ways if Tobias is part of the future with Simmons and Embiid of course if Jimmy Butler wants to go elsewhere or Philadelphia makes him a very nice offer but doesn't completely max him out because they've got other people to pay and they've got extensions to deal with with Simmons and Embiid eventually this could also be a safety net if Butler leaves so I I find that to be interesting before we go to Milwaukee um you know Marcus Soul has been a terrific player for a long time. Um, I realize the defensive challenges that uh, will loom in terms of guarding the pick and roll. but offensively, he's proven he can make the three. He's a terrific high post passer. He's got a very high basketball IQ. I, I just think it's a it's a great upgrade for them in, in terms of, okay, Valanchunas was their bigger center as far as an interior presence and of course Obaka and siakam having very good seasons Obaka uh, playing four and five siakam playing three four and five he's developed really nicely I, I just think it gives them a lot of versatility so as a as a celtics fan someone who's very happy they didn't make any moves at the deadline and will probably be involved in the buyout market which we'll get to should i be Uh, concerned if I'm the Celtics when I look at what the Raptors did or should I just be staying the course because as you just mentioned between small ball and between lack of practice time they're not going to be able to get him into a rhythm that he'd be able to be in let's say if he was with them in the preseason and mind you Gasol has a player option for 25 million dollars so very likely he's part of the Raptors next season as well.
1: Well, I, I think when you look at it, Mark is a, is a very capable player, and uh, he's proven that through his career. I mean, I think he's been All Star, if I remember correctly. I think he's, I think he's even been like Defensive Player of the Year. So yes. we're not talking about a player who can't play, but what we have to recognize that the game has changed over the years, and the pace and space of the game is here. Um, they've all, they, I mean you know, what they call it, grind or something, grind basketball or whatever they call it down there. The grind house. The The grind grind house. house. I mean, they they could grind it out as well as anyone with, you know, him, Mark, uh, Zach Randolph. And so they, you know, that's at one point, you know, you needed, you know, we were, this was a league where we were looking for big bodies. Uh, Playoff basketball, you play through your posts and you play from the inside out. That's not the case anymore. And I think that's what's probably what dictated them breaking that team up down there. So if there's any indication of how this league is playing, just just look around. You look at the Golden State Warriors. You look at the Boston Celtics. I mean, Al Horford is basically a power forward playing out of position at the center. Yep. Uh, the, the Serge Ibaka is playing center up there now. In Toronto, and they're what in second place here in the Eastern Conference, you know. Uh, one of our clients uh, who should be noted is brooke Lopez. brooke Lopez has came in this league as a low post scorer. He's completely transformed him transformed his game, and now he's a three point shooter. Incredible
0: and if you, what he's done. it's incredible.
1: incredible. I mean, the, he's done a, a complete one eighty, and how he came into this league as a low post. I mean, he was an all-star, for crying out loud, and now he's basically a three-point shooter. <laughs> I was talking
0: about this the other day. I've watched him on multiple occasions catch the ball at the three-point line. He shot fakes the closeout. He takes a side lateral dribble and knocks down a three like he's been doing it his whole career. Uh, I, I mean, it's so unbelievable.
1: It really is. But give him credit that he's completely changed his game and adapted his skill set to today's game. If not... You know, he, he. You know, the bigs now are are they're they're dinosaurs, if you will, in today's game. Do I think it's going to come back? Yes, I do. But as of now, small ball is here. The way the Warriors play, uh, the way the Houston Rockets play, who had the best record uh, last year, small ball is going to be here, and we have to adapt as players, as personnel, people, as agents. So I like Mark. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't think I want to live with Marcus Soul just shooting threes, right? You got to have, I of think course. there has to be, I mean, he is a skilled passer. He's a, he has a low post game, and but the game now is dictated on screen roll and all of the things that you're st- seeing today in today's game.
0: Does Marcus Soul assuming he picks up his player option next year, which I think would be foolish not to for that money and to be competing, for an, East, an Eastern Conference Championship. Does, Mark, does Marc Gasol have any bearing on Kawhi Leonard wanting to stay in Toronto, let's say if the Raptors make the conference finals?
1: Well, I think Kawhi Leonard is gonna dictate a lot what's going on up there moving forward. I don't think there's, without questioning, and I don't know this, uh, there will be a lot of suitors, a lot of interest, I should say, for Marcus, Gasol, whether he opts out or not. So I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, it's going to really depend on what Kawhi Leonard does. I think Kawhi Leonard will be the head domino and whatever he does will dictate what Mark and everyone else does. I mean, Kawhi Leonard is without question, a top three player in this league, uh, a top three talent in this league on both sides of the ball. Okay. Um, And any player should love to play with him because of, you know, he can dominate a game, not only as an offensive player, but he can dominate the game from the defensive side. Uh, He's arguably the best two-way player in this league uh, as we speak. And I think that will dictate what Mark does and the future of the franchise. I mean, you know, Kawhi Leonard holds all the cards.
0: Obviously, if Kawhi leaves, then they're looking at a potential immediate rebuild there. Absolutely. So I think we have
1: to – none of us know – What Kawhi Leonard, uh, you know, we've heard, you know, from, you know, various reports on, you know, what he could do. Uh, You have to believe that the teams like the Knicks and the teams like uh, the Clippers and the moves they're making, they must know something we don't know or they feel good about something. So teams um, are creating cap space for sure. Teams are creating cap space. So, again, we're not here to... You know, spread more rumors, but we have to believe that they're doing something <laughs> with some idea of what could what could yeah. happen. So, and there's going to be a lot of great players available, and and then um, you know, we'll see. But Ka- Kawhi Leonard definitely holds the cards right now because he will be an unrestricted free agent.
0: Yeah, you'd, you'd like to think they're doing things with purpose. So, to to finish up real quick on this topic, the Bucks add uh, Nikola Mirotic. Um, is that? significant in terms of them becoming a better team, or is he just a, a situational piece that could help them when they need some scoring?
1: I, I, I look at uh, players like Miritich as situational players. You know, as, as we know, playoff basketball is completely different than regular season basketball. It's very hard to, to, to win a series, if you will, with stretch players, meaning players that you can actually key in on you know if I'm going to see Mertage for seven games I can make that a proper adjustment if I see Mertage during the regular season you know sometimes I may catch him on a back-to-back I may catch him four games in five nights uh it's very hard to get to the details of the game because you play so many games right uh And, you know, anyone can catch fire at any given time. He's certainly a threat from the three-point line. But I think it's a nice addition.
0: So he can get 30 on a given night, but once you're in a series. It's a
1: series. I'm taking that away. I'm taking taking that away, right? I I can live with Giannis getting 45, but I can't live with Giannis getting 45 and Mertes getting 30 in game five. That's just unacceptable in playoff basketball. Now, could that happen during the regular season? Yeah, you know, they get on a roll – they caught us on a back-to-back, whatever, whatever it is they catch us on, and they, you know, you know, we didn't have the effort and energy that night. Anything is possible during the regular season, but that's unacceptable in a seven-game series. That a guy is going to just, we know that's what he's going to do, is shoot threes, and we allow him to do that. Now, Giannis, you got to live with because he's just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. But the other guys are going to take away something. So I think this is a situation where, if they pack it in against Giannis, at least you have the ability to counter that by saying, I'm going to put put uh, Mertridge on the floor to allow our great player to do what he's going to do, which is, I mean, this kid Giannis is averaging 27, 28 points a game, and he's not even shooting threes. Oh, he's unbelievable. He's, so, an, he's so incredible. Me,
0: so strategic question for you, and and we saw this in the playoffs last year. celtics Bucks first round, which was actually a, a really good series, and and thankfully Marcus Smart, came back from his injury and saved the Celtics, or else they would have been going home early, I believe. Do you go with the strategy of, we're going to make Giannis get 40 points and we are going to limit everybody else, or are you going to say, okay, we are going to make life as difficult for Giannis as possible and we're going to make these other guys in big moments, beat us. I'm curious to what you think about the Bucs, because as of right now, they're the top seed in the East. They've got home court, and he's arguably you know, the MVP of the league next to James Harden.
1: To, to, to win a seven-game series, your, your, your great player is going to win two games by himself. He's going to win two games in that series. That's why he's a great player. If you're going to win a series, your coach is going to have to win a game for you in a seven game, in a championship-level series. The, the Bucks feel that they have, an, they have the talent. Giannis has the talent now to go and win a game five. When you have that type of talent, that gives you an incredible amount of confidence. They have the confidence to know that Giannis can win two. They could go win a game on the road because they have a great player. And now the way they're playing offensively as a team, you know, I think their coaching staff is capable of winning a game, devising a plan or allowing them, giving them the structure and organization that they we to 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 win a game. Now, the one thing I can't say about the about that team is, are they deep enough? Do they have the depth for their bench and other guys to help them win a game when Giannis say he doesn't have it going? I don't know that. Now, I think Miritich is a step in the right direction. But with the Celtics, I can answer all those questions. They have the depth. Clearly, Rozier and those guys are capable of winning a game. Coach Stevens is a terrific coach. And Kyrie Irving is proven that he can go win a game or two in Game 7, if need be, on the road. So these are questions that the Celtics don't have to answer. They know they have the – the talent, they have all of the ingredients. Now they gotta go out and do it, obviously. But those are questions that I gotta answer I gotta ask with the Milwaukee Bucks because Giannis is a phenomenal player and he needs to be approached with the respect of a great player. Okay? And the Celtics, yep. I'm sure, are very aware of that. And I think the rest of the league is very aware that this guy is for real.
0: So the Celtics obviously no moves at the deadline, may add some size. Enos Kanter was just bought out. Robin Lopez may be bought out. They could use some front court depth. Do you feel like they've been heading in the right direction very quickly here before I pivot to the West? Do you feel like the Celtics are, are putting together that consistency that these young players who were in the spotlight in the postseason last year without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward, do you feel like they're getting used to doing what's needed of them with Kyrie leading the team? Are they, are they finding it?
1: Well, I think what the Celtics are going through is what every good team goes through before they become champion. You have to go through the adversities of the expectations of how hard and what, what it means to win in this league. Playing as the underdog is, is great. If, you, if you're playing and no one expects you to win and you win, it's 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 amazing. There's no pressure. The Celtics now are expected to win. So when they win, it's like, well, you're supposed to win. Yep. <laughs> That's a yep. different ball game. So Coach Stevens has to coach a different way. The players have to play a certain way. And let's be honest, if they don't get to the finals this year, you and I and all of the other media outlets will be saying this is a failure of the season. That's a different ball game. It's a different ballgame than saying, wow, I didn't expect the Celtics to be here. They're, then you just become like the, the media darling because no one expected you to be there. It's, it's easier to play as the underdog than the one that's expected to win. So the Celtics are going through that. I think they have shown that they have resiliency. They've been resilient. And I think now they're getting used to that. Instead of going in and playing as a group that no one expected them to be good, now they're getting used to playing with, we're supposed to win. Teams yep. are going in, putting their best effort against them because they are the benchmark, if you will, in the Eastern Conference that everyone, even though they're not in first place, I still, still think that people believe that they are the best team over in the Eastern Conference. They,
0: they've, they've got that target on their back, and, and I think they're beginning to, to embrace that now. And you were just giving me flashbacks to being at Game 7 in Boston last year. I will... Uh, I'll save that for another time. It was, it was it was it was a rough evening. So tonight the Celtics play the Lakers, and um, unfortunately, the focus is not on the game. The focus is on what is happening in Los Angeles. So me being uh, in New York and uh, it being Thursday that we're recording this right after the trade deadline, uh, what is going on in LA with everything surrounding, LeBron James Rich Paul the Anthony Davis situation and what looks like a rough locker room situation with the Lakers what what can you share with me
1: well just watching uh, from afar in, in the in, in Laker land out here is you know they obviously they have high expectations and anytime you have an athlete of the magnet, of the magnitude of LeBron James, that comes with expectations. And I think the Lakers, you know, I I always, every time I go to a game, they always say, you know, (laughs) 16 championships. And they refer to themselves as the franchise, which it just, it tickles me that, wow, they've had so much success that it's always, for them, it's championship or bust. And I think the expectations for them, obviously, with LeBron, is they're living right now. LeBron is not going to – this isn't a two- or three-year process. LeBron has, when he decided to come here in his free agency, has raised the expectations. So what you're seeing now is how do we get to our championship? And obviously, you need great players, and that's what you're seeing at the moment and now, how they're going to do it and – the 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 route in which you're going to take I think has been raised when LeBron James said I'm coming to LA and and be, and become a laker.
0: So this Lakers front office obviously it's a very unique mix of people. It's Magic Johnson, it's Rob Polinka, it's Jeannie Buss. I was talking to our esteemed executive producer last night Bruce Bernstein and Every time I watch the Brooklyn Nets, I'm reminded about the mistake they made with D'Angelo Russell, who's now going to the All-Star game. I'm talking about the mistake the Lakers made, uh, giving up on him. Is this front office free agent, blockbuster deal, or bust? Or do they have the ability to develop a team around LeBron without being able to, let's say, make a trade for Anthony Davis? Do they have the ability to bring in some very good players who have room to grow with LeBron? Do they have those players now? I, I really want to get a feel for this front office because I feel like uh, I'm very uncertain to where they're at right now.
1: Well, I think I've said you know many times before, and I've said it here in prior uh, podcasts, it's very difficult to build a team uh, through free agency. Uh, I think that's one component. Uh, I certainly believe that when you add a player to your core group, uh, it can enhance your team greatly. Uh, but building a team strictly through free agency or trades or what have you, I think it's almost impossible, in my humble opinion, to build a team. I don't care who you are um, because you have I mean, to have this, a team. This,
0: this is your motto. This is your Bible. And I've I said know, this I before. Know
1: I've said this before. If you're going to build a team with any type of – long-term sustainability or any type of way, if you have any financial flexibility to build a team and build a team in which you can have an opportunity, you just want an opportunity to win and win at the highest level and build a team, you have to do it through the draft. I've said this before, I've said it weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I've said it, and I'm gonna say it now. Now, I'm not saying it can't be done, I just think it's very difficult and highly unlikely because you're trying to build a team. You know, I don't care how great the player is. I don't care if you're the best player in the league, the second, but be- it's better to have a team, right? It's better to have a team than just have one or two guys. And then everyone else, you're just sprinkling around just to fill out the roster. So again, there's a difference of philosophies in what I see, from just uh just the salary cap and the financial the the, the financial the, the way you build a team financially I just think it's very difficult to do it so I don't know I think like anything is like in the draft or anything you do it takes 4 or 5 years to figure out whether it was the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do yeah. I certainly like any uh, any other executive who were in the league if lebron james called me and said he wanted to come i don't i don't know how you say no (laughs) so what do you say no I, i can't not take you so again i think we can't answer that question to four or five years from now but i i certainly see the obstacles and the difficulty of trying to build a team in this manner which i think we're seeing right now it's i don't think it's a fault of anyone i just think it's very difficult to do it
0: and they're on a clock because, as high of a level as LeBron James remains at age 34, uh, he's still 34 years old, and at some point there is going to be a decline. I'm not saying it's now. I'm not saying it's next year, but but they're on a clock. So, uh, b- before before we get into some of the um, behind the scenes things, I want to cover: um, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Rajon Rondo. Contavious Caldwell Pope, uh, Josh Hart, all involved in different trade packages and rumors that were swirling out there with the Pelicans. So before I get into the Pelican side of this, is the Laker locker room going to survive this just roller coaster of rumors and then getting drilled at Indiana by forty, and LeBron sitting at the end of the bench. There's just turmoil everywhere. What do you see happening now as the Lakers try to make the playoffs here with this crew, and you know maybe a buyout being added to the
1: roster? Well, as a, as you know, I, I look at this situation and I and I try to see it from all of the different angles. As an ex, ex player, I think this is going to be a very difficult situation not only in L.A., but I think throughout the league because there's so much movement. And when there's no trust in a relationship, it's very difficult to have a relationship on any level. And when you have this much movement from teams, you know, these players are playing their hearts out, right? These players are playing their hearts out. And then suddenly, whether you' all, you know you hear the players in these interviews, they'll say, "Well, it's a business, and we get it. There's a human side of it. I've been traded, and the feeling of rejection is real. The feeling of that being rejected now you get over it with the support of your your inner circle and understanding, yeah, it is a business, it's not personal, but it's only natural to feel that rejection, so I think the locker rooms and all 30 locker rooms is going to be – it's very difficult because some of the teams clearly made moves without basketball – without a basketball wasn't the, the the reason they did it. They did it with the eye on draft. Right. They did it with the, 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 the eye cap, on the future. The cap, the, salary the cap. draft, they did the business, so now those were the
0: priority more than
1: the sitting, basketball and who yeah, the guy was. So now you're sitting in the locker room and it's clear that – hey, we're not trying to win games here. Now, no one said that, but it's clear that, you know what, that the assets, as they refer to them, which one of those words that really just kind of like, wow, that now the, the draft, now it's just acquiring the asset of a future first-round pick and the value that they're placing on that as compared to, like, these young men are going out there just giving everything they have to go out there and compete and play. So... I think coaching is very, very difficult. And not only whether you're the best team in the league, I think Luke Walton, you know, my hat goes off for him because this is a, that's going to be a very difficult locker room. Just from a not – the, not the coaching part, the game part, just dealing with the human element of, like, what has transpired, whether it's true or not true that's going to be de- very difficult to overcome, especially with younger players, okay? I mean, this isn't, you know, yeah, Rondo... I mean, it was, yeah. it
0: was, and it was already a difficult locker room. Yeah, you know? well, I mean, you I know... Mean, you've got... Not difficult as far as, like, okay, it's chaos day-to-day, but you have a lot of strong-willed guys in that locker room, right. starting with LeBron James, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, yeah, I, I, and I, then you've got these young guys who are just trying to find their way and gain that confidence.
1: So... I I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, certainly I I hope that was just a a one game situation for the Lakers and the Laker fans. What happened in Indiana? I mean, that was, you know, I don't I don't know. You, you, You have those games every year as a team. And I remember the luck, the late Chuck Daly. He said, you know what? There's going to be three games a year. You just can't explain. And mm-hmm. you just have to account for that during the year. You may be prepared, you have great practices, and for whatever reason, you just come out and you it doesn't it doesn't work for you. So I hope that's just one of those games for the Lakers, and then you move on. But you would hope that they will be able to find themselves because they have a they have a good team. I I, I like their young players. I like the you know the 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 combinations that they have, and I still believe that this team is a playoff team on paper. Now whether they're able to overcome this. I'm not in the locker room every day, um, but I certainly feel for uh, Coach Walton and all of these coaches have to go through it because, you know, th- these players are younger, and because they're younger, you see the volatility of how that can affect a young player. Like you saw it up in Minnesota. You know, if something like that would have happened to when I was playing in my fifth or sixth year, the Jimmy Buller situation doesn't bother me because I was old enough to be a professional to say that's his business and the game is the game and you don't mix up the two. But you you can see how it affected Carl Towns. That's a, yeah. a, a whether whether you want to admit it or not, Carl Towns was clearly affected by what was going on you know, you know uh, uh, off the court. And you can see how he's playing now once that situation was put behind him. So when you dealing with younger players, you have to really be careful with the distractions and really be careful with what you're allowing these young players to see because they don't have the experience and they're not tested. You know, like if that was to happen, like, like I give an example, the the Warriors, the Warriors don't allow the distractions off the court to involve anything that happens in between the lines that's a battle-tested veteran team that understands that, you know what, things are going to happen. But when that game goes up, I guarantee you, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, those guys are going to be locked in.
0: They've got that switch. They've got that armor, for sure. sure.
1: Now, that's the difference. But with these younger guys, they get distracted. They're easily distracted. And and, And I think that makes coaching so much more difficult because you're dealing with inexperience and it's not a fault of the players it just is what it is so I think starting tonight or tomorrow there are going to be a lot of difficult locker rooms and things that they have to deal with just from the human side of it to get them to play and I'm just all, I'm always interested in how you deal with people because this, when it's all said and done it's a people business and the people who can manage people the best I think are the most successful especially in sports
0: So, is Luke Walton in a Mike Brown, David Blatt type of situation here? Like, we've heard the stories, right? And I can't say what's true or what's not, because as much as I know about some of these things, I don't know what happened specifically behind closed doors with David Blatt. I don't know what happened... Uh, with Eric Spolstra and LeBron James when things weren't going uh, right at first in Miami. You know, the Cavaliers were the uh, top seed in the East two years in a row before LeBron left for Miami with Mike Brown, and it didn't seem like him and LeBron connected that well either. At LeBron's point in this career, can him and Luke Walton be aligned on getting this team to its highest level this season? Or is there a clash there? I mean, we hear great things about Luke from acro- across the board. W- yeah, what is the sense of how that can work so they can move forward?
1: Well, you know, again, I, I, as I said, you know, stated earlier, I, I think coaching is very difficult today. Um, you know, I, I called a good friend of mine uh, last night because I'm, 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 I'm just always intrigued with leadership. I've always I have been from a kid of of always saying, you know, I was challenged by my parents to always be bigger than the situation. So when I see situations like this, I put myself in the situation and say, what would I do? You know, I go back to this one saying that, you know, Tex Winners and Phil Jackson and all of the great coaches that I played for, and they would always tell me the same thing. Winning covers a multitude of sins. (laughs) And I didn't understand that in year one. I didn't understand that in year two. But as I started playing in this league and I went around in this league, I learned that every team in the league has the same exact problem. The same exact problems. Every league and every team in the league has the same exact problems. The difference is winning covers all of your problems up. And then if you lose, they get magnified and blown out of proportion. So, I learned the value of winning and what winning does. And I never took it for granted when I played on winning teams. And I also never got down when I played on losing teams because it was never as good as it seemed and never as bad as it seemed. But it took me a little time to understand that. So in this situation, you know, if the Lakers were to go on a 10 game run, I guarantee you that all is forgotten. But right now they got to find that energy. And that effort, if you will, to bring to the table to give yourself a chance to do that, because the only thing that's going to get them out of this is winning. You, c- you can't talk your way out of this in this league. You know, the the, the, the games are coming at such a rapid rate that sh- there's going to be another game tomorrow. And you have to show up and you have to perform. So, you know, as my good friend Michael would always tell me before the game, performance is the X factor. <laughs> Whatever's going on, <laughs> whatever happened yesterday in practice, Whatever happening in your life, if you can perform, everything will be all right. And I always used to think that was his secret to success. Is because he, he certainly performed <laughs> better than anyone else on a consistent basis. Yeah, and that was. I think he, set, was, the sta- I think I, he set the standard. Yeah, stand I, 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 he would always say that, and um, so, you know, to get themselves out of this situation, they got to perform. And you know what? In winning. We'll move things on and all will be forgotten if you're able to win and perform at a high level.
0: So that was prompted by me asking about Luke Walton, LeBron, Lakers. Now, you've had some really interesting front office gamesmanship here. So I don't know Dell Demps. I've been told things about Del Demps from a certain ex-Pelican who's a current warrior who I've been fortunate enough to be making a a film about and with for the last eight months. I'm not going to repeat those things because they were told to me in confidence. But it appears that Dale Demps was really having fun messing with the Lakers front office in terms of these trade packages and this back and forth, and now the Lakers are just left here not having any idea if they'll get a shot at Anthony Davis in a trade. What have you heard about this behind-the-scenes thing here? First, it started with AD and Agent Rich Paul coming out saying, you know, we're not going to re-up in 2020. You and I have talked about that, but we haven't yet talked about this, for lack of a better term, chess match with the front office, starting with Dell Demp's you have anything on that that I don't already know?
1: Well, when I when I came into this league uh, as an executive after I had retired from playing, there was kind of a code that you you know your your word was your word, and you didn't allow anything to get out, if you will, to media. There you know there was print at the time. You know there were. Guys, I throw names. There were guys like Peter Vesey who would have a, a, a hoop a, de jour. Yeah, yeah, and he would have something maybe once a week, and that was like the big scoop, right? Yep. Now the thing that I find fascinating as as an executive then and as an agent now is that we're dealing with this social media, what's dealing in real time. So this is this is something brand new, and now we're dealing with it in a city like Los Angeles, you know, Los Angeles, New York, you know, you just have more people that, you know, Laker Nation is a huge fan base. So I've, I found all of this fascinating because we were dealing with this speculation in real time through social media. Now, whether it was true or not, as a, as a former executive, there's no way possible, there's no way possible that anything is gonna be dealt from general manager to general manager. And as an agent, I'm not naive enough to think that if I call the general manager, that he's going to be able to make a deal with me or any other general manager without saying the following. Let me check with my owner first before I make a move, (laughs) okay? So what is reported, all of this gamemanship? No, this is, all of the things that are happening are being dealt at the highest level, owner to owner. First of all, and whatever is being reported. I don't. Social media is happening. It's happening so fast now. You can't decipher what, you know, is really going on because it's happening. You know, you don't know if that's a rumor. Is it being confirmed? You know, at one point, you know, journal journalism was about confirming the actual tip that you got. Now they're just reporting it.
0: So no, it's just about being first.
1: It's just about being first. So, again, I have to I'm old enough to to be able to decipher that and know the difference between the two. But at the same time, these types of talks are always handled at the ownership level. And the owners, if you will, don't have to deal with me- social media or getting stories out because they're the ones who are making the decision. You know, the owner isn't saying, well, "Let me check with my GM before I want to do a deal." The owner wants to do a deal. The owner can do a deal. It's his yep. or her team. So it sounds good by saying Dale Dumps putting a name to it, but as an executive, I know there's no general manager that can do a deal without first checking in with the owner of the team, and that's a fact.
0: Do, do you think because of the way? Davis came out, the clutch sports factor being that they represent LeBron, and obviously they want to have another star player with him in L.A. Do you think Dempse, or maybe it's ownership, do you think they were relishing in putting the Lakers through this? I, we've just never seen anything like this before. You know, well, I, I mean, I, The I Lakers think offered half the roster in multiple first-round
1: I think you've just said it. We've never seen anything like this before. So this is a first. I mean— we've never seen anything like this it's a new time it's a new era and when you don't see when you i think i think everyone is just intrigued on how this is happening and how it's going to play out so you know i think after the smoke clears i think everyone will be able to say well this probably could have been done this way or or this could have been done that way or what have you. But looking at it now, I think there's just intrigue to see how this thing is going to play out because no one knows how it's going to play out. This is kind of a first for everyone that's involved. This is a first for, you know, I I don't think anyone really knows how to speculate on how the situation is going to end. Um, so only thing that we do know is that the player involved is – is, is he's you know he's under contract for the next year and a half and then from there it's just a lot of speculation you know there's a lot of there's a lot of being written there's a lot of being uh talked about but no one has given us any concrete other than he's under contract for the next year and a half
0: yep and the the other factor here of course which we're gonna have to wait and see is whether or not the uh, the Celtics are going to put all their chips into the table and trade for Anthony Davis with no guarantee uh, that he will sign in Boston for the long term and as of right now when you listen to this uh, uh, on February 8th or afterward 2019 Anthony Davis well his father and Rich Paul have said Anthony Davis would not re-sign with the Boston Celtics so Clearly, they're going to have some major decisions to make, as will the rest of the league, who wants to take a shot at trading for this guy with uh, potentially no guarantee he'll stay with you uh, for the long term. So there's been a lot of moves, obviously. Um, We're not going to break down every one. But, you know, one thing I wanted to pick your brain on that took place uh, on uh, Thursday morning regarding, you know, free agency, big talent, the role the media plays is uh, Kevin Durant sits in with the media for the first time, and I believe you know eight or nine days, and he is not happy with his name being, uh, his name, his future, his decision being reported on repeatedly, tying him to the Knicks. Obviously, the Porzingis deal and the Knicks freeing up money amplified that even more, and. Say what you want about Durant, the the one point he made, which I have a lot of respect for, uh, is, you know, none of you guys have talked to me about this. You're just reporting this like, you know, it's a done deal. I haven't said anything to you guys. So when you saw KD up there at that podium, and regardless of how you, me, or anyone else feels about him, um, what did you think of that back and forth with the media, and You know, we're not dealing with uh, uh, the person who currently occupies the office of the president of the United States and the national news media that covers the White House every day, but there's some hostility here now uh, with KD, with LeBron, who, of course, released something about Harrison Barnes being traded uh, within a game uh, the night before the deadline, which I'll get to in a moment. But this KD thing, what was your reaction when you saw it?
1: Well, my reaction is to look at, you know, I I, I don't look at it as hostility, Kevin versus, or a player versus the media, or the media versus a player. You know, these, people in the media have a job to do. And, And I always took the time to speak to the media as a player, and I always admired when I saw star players would take the time to speak to the media because that's a difficult job. That's a difficult job. And I, I, I've i seen a lot of great players, you know, Charles Barkley and Hakeem Olajuwon and, and all these players that have come through the league, Larry Bird, and I always would watch how they would, would you know, speak with the media. You know, Dr. J to me was one of my favorites because I thought he was just elegant how mm-hmm. he handled the media. And he would always give time. And the thing that the the, the thing that that intrigues me now about the media, and, and I watched last night's, you know, with Kevin Durant was I can't I think it was Dr. J who shared this with me. I can't remember George Gervin or one of the guys, because I always like to talk to the, you know, the guys that came before me. And then he said something to the fact that I can't quote it directly, but he said something that if the sharks don't know where to eat, they're going to go into a frenzy. Hmm. So I, I got to give them something so that they understand that I know where they're coming from. They know where I'm coming from. And then my job is to make sure that everyone can read in between the lines. And I thought, wow, that was that to me was like that was like. You know, you don't tell them everything. I hear what they want. I want them to hear what I want. And we'll kind of, you know, I'll give them just enough to where everyone can walk out of there and do their job. Because I want to do my job. I want to go out there and play. They need to have a quote and together we can find a way to coexist with one another. And I thought, wow, what that, that's to me, that's an art. Watching Charles Barkley do that over the years because he's certainly made his fair share of mistakes, (laughs) okay?
0: Yeah, safe to say he learned as he went along, right? He
1: learned as he went along. But you know what? I always give him credit. I always have given him credit. He always showed up, and he never stood in the way of them doing doing their job. And they have always, in my humble opinion, been fair with him in how they've assessed him because he's done some things that he will tell you that have been like – I probably shouldn't have done that. And I think it's important, especially today, with today's media and the way it's being covered, that you have to find a way to deal with now. And to me, that is the one thing that I'm always conveying to my clients is I can't deal anymore because the story is going to come out in tomorrow's paper. I can't deal with it because the story is going to come out in the Sunday editorial or what have you I got to deal with this right now as it's happening and I got to be able to think on my feet and these Mm -hmm. people have a job to do and I'm not going to let one person or two people in the media spoil it for all the other people who are there just trying to do their job and that's what I've understood from the stars in this league as a young player that's what I've always appreciated here and I think look Kevin is is a great kid um and I think that yeah there are some media people who are yes but you know what there's some wonderful people in the media as well there's some wonderful wonderful people and oh, I'm not going to allow that one person to spoil it for all the other you know 100 people there to, that are there just trying to do their job just like he's just trying to do his job and go out there and play so yep. again that is kind of my balance to the situation but I think it's more difficult now for today's athlete for sure. I, I, I share in his in his uh you know, his frustration, but I don't think it's getting any better because you have to be able to deal now because everything is being reported in the moment. And it's not about, you know, checking to see if it's accurate or not. It's about being able to deal right now and think and on your feet. What,
0: and that's what really causes an inner conflict with me right like the coverage technology social media the outlets the popularity of the game that's all played into each other to help the sport and to help the players yes at the same time the speed to market and trying to be first and trying to create drama and controversy has it's it's a real negative tone and obviously with what we've created here with pure hoops this show the other things we're doing like we're talking and chopping it up and sharing experiences and our basketball knowledge and all of that. But we're not here trying to scoop people and trying to be first to anything. And I yeah. think that's really where the media is doing the league, the sport, and the players in many ways a disservice.
1: Well, I think it's a disservice. But you know what, Eric? The Super Bowl was just on, what, Sunday? and yeah. leading up to the Super Fairly Bowl. forgetful, huh? <laughs> think about it. The NBA dominated the headlines yep. all of last week, yep. and they're dominating the headlines all again this week, not with what's, what's being reported on the court. It's off the court. So, yes, we can complain wild. about it. We can complain about it. But this is what's making basketball the mo- probably will be probably the most popular game in the world at some point. It's climbing. Because there is intrigue, there's off the court, there's rumors, there's on the court, there's personalities. That's what's making the game a great game. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying looking at it from one perspective, but think about it. People like Dennis Rodman and these giant personalities, they kept the NBA in the news cycle. And the NBA – has done a fabulous, marvelous job of making this a year-round sport now. You go straight from the NBA Finals to the draft, to the draft, to Summer League, Summer League, to Basketball Without Borders. Oh, by the way, the NBA season has started again, and we're right back at it. We're talking NBA basketball year-round now. Mm -hmm. Year-round. So, yes, okay, on one hand, it's probably a little overboard, but on the other hand, during Super Bowl week, we weren't talking about Brady. We weren't talking about – and we were talking about Anthony Davis. <laughs> and soon as the it's, game it's, was it's, over – It's amazing. And, it, and, it really is. amazing. It's really – I mean, think about the activity of just today alone on Thursday, of the activity of the discussion of everything that has happened. It has dominated the news. It's dominated the social media world. So I get it. But you know what? This also is what's making it great. I think everyone is benefiting benefiting because of it. And I think it's time now for the next generation of young stars in this league to find a way to have a happy median and deal with it on this level because I don't see it stopping anytime soon.
0: BJ, great way to close it out. So many good points today in reaction to all of this movement, all of this coverage, of course, at the deadline. And uh, a lot of these moves will uh, be very interesting to see how they play out. And of course, the guys hitting the buyout market, which Pure Hoops will have analysis with uh, as they happen as we head into uh, All-Star Week. Uh, Undecided if you will be in Charlotte yet, but hopefully you will be. Uh, Myself, Bruce Bernstein, and uh, Mike Wise will be down there. Um, great job today. Hope to see you in Charlotte. Special thanks to Bruce. Special thanks to Jeff Torini and the rest of the Pure Hoops crew. BJ,
1: terrific stuff. Woo! I just want to say that was a that was a lot to cover today, <laughs> but it was great. I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> awesome, man. All right, Pure Hoops podcast. We'll be back next week. Have a good weekend, everybody. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.